life. In his faithfulness and proclaiming the word, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is uh, really good to be back in part of the ministry at family camp at, at Bay Shore. And um, it's just a blessing to be able to share with you this morning. I appreciate Kendall inviting me. And man, I have just been blessed by the music uh, by uh, Randy and Marley and all the people that have made this week happen. Uh, our director, Jeff Parsons, uh, the camp staff, uh, the tech people, the people cleaning cabins. I mean, it takes a ton, and it was a lot of work to get ready for this week, I'll tell you, with COVID. So for all the people that we haven't named, everybody that's helped with this camp, let's give them a rip-roaring thank you. Before I came, I gave uh, Lou Tibbetts a call. I've been calling him. He's at a place called Willow's. Uh, in Okemos, I believe it is, and, and we just had a nice talk uh, yesterday afternoon, and Lou just said to me, he said, oh, I just wish I could be at uh, Base Your Camp, and I said, oh, Lou, I, I wish you could be at camp too, and he said that to tell you how much he loves you and how much this camp means to him, so amen. Uh, Lou introduced me to Base Your Camp really back in 1982. Can you believe that? I don't look that old, do I? Almost uh, 40 years ago, and uh, I became a dean uh, along with Terry Uper of junior high camp. And I didn't know at that point, but that was going to lead to almost 40 years to being involved with Bayshore during retreats and Bible studies and being on the board and all of these kinds of things. And, you know, we are celebrating, I believe, our 109th year, right? I read that somewhere. Let's give a hand. 1911 is when the camp began. I'm sure there was things going on even before that. But, you know, I don't know about how many of you here remember the, the old cabins and the rustic setting. And I remember when I was dean, 90 mosquitoes would attack me. They'd come at you 10 at a time, you know, in your face. And then I'd stay at the hotel, and, and it was, felt like 90 degrees, 90 mosquitoes and 90 degrees. But we have come a long way, baby. And uh, a lot of you don't know, but in the 70s, this camp almost... Closed, died. There, I think were less than 50 kids one summer. I think the camp was bought for a dollar. And look what God has done. God is good. God is good all the time. God is good. When Lou became the director, he had a vision to grow this camp. And man, he was like a linebacker, and he just drove forward, and building after building was put up, ministry after ministry was started, and then the pool was the crowning glory uh, of all that we have uh, here. And now we've got the Ambi Hall. We have so much, friends, and let's not forget what we have been given. A lot of changes have taken place in the last 40 years. And I want to tell you something, there's going to be a lot more changes in the next 40 years. And what we have gone through and are still going through with the pandemic is going to change what we've done. 400 people were listening uh, on Facebook to us. And churches are finding that they need to be more part of getting uh, the message out there on social media. Well, the message I've chosen today uh, from the Scripture in Acts, chapter 17, tells us how God 
is Lord over all the earth and that God uses the events in the world and the borders of the nations, and you could say the borders of the states too, that people might be driven to find God. Do you know that the whole world right now is uncertain about the future? Just a little teeny virus you can't even see has humbled us despite our scientific advances, and it has made us realize we're not as strong as we think we are. Listen to this verse. Acts 17, verses 26 through 27. From one ancestor, Paul's saying this, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live for the purpose, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though he indeed is not far from each one of us. This word grope is kind of like struggling in the dark, but trying to find Jesus, the Greek says, to touch him. And so that's what God is trying to do. And, and God determines how long a nation exists, its borders, and God uses events for people to seek him. And Paul was preaching uh, to the Athenian philosophers in the Areopagus. Uh, I was privileged, Carol and I, my wife. I'm going to have my wife stand up. Honey, why don't you just stand up? I'm embarrass her. Okay, give her a hand because she's been supportive of, of everything. But we were in Greece with Lou and Jerry. And we were at the Areopagus, and we walked up uh, this Mars Hill where Paul was. But these philosophers had all these statues to many different gods, and they just couldn't figure out who to worship. Like a lot of people today, they have a hard time figuring out who to worship. But they're looking for the one true God. But we have to step up and we've got to help them find that Lord. Well, God had prepared the hearts of people in Athens and all over the world. You see, Paul was, was traveling to nation after nation, to Asia, to Africa, to, to Spain, to Europe. And God had prepared that. One of the ways that God prepared that is life was not easy in Roman times. Rome had destroyed many cities in wars. If you were not a Roman citizen, you were like a slave to the empire. You had no rights at all. And racism in that day was rampant. Taxes kept most people poor. If you were sick with a virus, you had nowhere to turn. Kind of sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? Only it was worse. And there was nothing in that society like Social Security, federal aid, or hospitals that cared for you. And so God has prepared the world, the nations, what's going on for the gospel, for the good news, so that somehow through the preaching, people might find him. And then when we come to Acts chapter 2, uh, if you want to turn your Bibles, I'm just going to read Acts chapter 2. You know, I was getting scared last night. Pastor Eric was getting into Acts, and I thought, we're going to have the same message, you know. But he didn't, he didn't read in Acts chapter 2, so I'm going to read in Acts chapter 2. But after Peter uh, preaches, the Bible says uh, that um, 3,000 persons were added to the church, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, Acts chapter 2, verses 41, 42, to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. 
and prayers and all came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all who believed were together and all things in common and they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day they spent much time together in the temple they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts and praising God and having the goodwill of all the people and day by day the Lord added to their numbers, that those who were being saved. The world had never seen anything like this. The believers at Pentecost showed love and compassion for visitors and their neighbors. They gave them a place to stay. They fed them. They prayed for them. And like in Acts, when God had prepared the world, because there were people, there were Gentiles and Jews that had gathered from all the nations that were there, Like in Acts, I believe that God wants to use the pandemic, the racial turmoil, economic trouble, and all the other things that we're facing to bring people to himself. And that's what Brother Eric was saying last night. The shaking is for shifting to move people. Like the early disciples, though, we need to look for opportunities to love others. Many people are are not as uncomfortable in the pandemic as some people, especially in our cities. But we, we cannot just, if we are more comfortable, we cannot forget about what others are going to. The problems are just so horrific for millions of people. And, you know, just about when it started getting better, It got worse again. And Texas is in a panic. And Florida is stressed to the max. And I want to tell you something. We need to be praying for our world and for our our sister states. And some of you have friends and family in those places. And we need to be praying for them. I know the emergency measures have been hotly debated. But they've and they have crippled our economy. I read a report on Market Watch that said 41% of businesses listed on Yelp have closed for good. 41% of businesses on Yelp have closed for good. And then in our part of the country, in mid-Michigan, 12,000 people were driven from their homes And there were 150 seniors that were in condos that had to walk away from their life savings because it was too costly to repair. One guy was trying to bring a little bit of humor into the situation. His house was flooded. And he said, I'm telling people, look out for the frogs and look out for the locusts. (laughs) But there may be some of you here that have lost a business or you've been out of work. Maybe you know someone had COVID-19 who died or is very sick. And and maybe you've seen their despair and, and, and you feel it yourself. During this time, God wants to come to us and give us encouragement. And then God wants us to go to others and lift them up too. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, hope, no matter how hopeless we feel, hope is never gone in Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Hope is never gone in Jesus Christ. I'm very grateful they put water up here for me. It's a nice breeze we got, but it's still warm, isn't it? 
I want to read a verse to you from Romans 15, 13. I pray, Paul writes, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, this camp has always been about offering hope, the hope of knowing Jesus Christ. So many people have found the Lord here. How many people found Christ here today or sometime at this camp? Raise your hand. How many know somebody that's found Christ here at this camp? How many persons felt God tugging on your heart to lead you to serve in a certain way, missions, whatever, maybe even in the ministry? How many people felt God tugging on your heart? And if we had everybody here, there'd be hundreds and maybe even thousands of people. Churches have seen their ministry strengthened. Uh, people have found the purpose of the Lord through Bayshore Camp. Our, our uh, vision, our mission statement and vision is to provide an invitation for all people to experience Jesus Christ and to nurture them in their relationship with Him. I've always said, when I've been here, it's like being on holy ground. This is the heritage of our camp. And we are in a time now that we must step up to the plate and we got to live out our witness like never before. You know, there are people saying that we are on the verge of a new national and world order. That all of culture and all that we know is normal is, is, is going to shift. I mean, think about it. We went six months without local sports, right? College sports, professional sports. I mean, what a, that was really uh, difficult for somebody. Travel was, was restricted. Uh, people by the millions are, are, are working at home. Uh, we stayed home except to get gas, go to the grocery store, uh, maybe the hardware store. I will not forget the first trip we made a couple of months ago. We were going to uh, see a, a family member, and we were out on the road driving, and I told my wife, wow, wow. We're out of the house. We're going to see friends. We haven't done this for months. I mean, you'd have thought, you know, I was a kid, 16 years old, driving for the first time. Maybe some of you had that experience too. Wonder, are we ever going to get back to normalcy? Some say yes, but some say it's going to take five to 10 years. This is scary. But this, into this uncertainty, God wants to break in. God wants to make people realize that he is in control and God wants to speak to you and to me in new ways. I have felt God working in my heart during this time. Anybody felt God working in your heart during this time? God, I believe, as in Paul's day in the book of Acts, can bring the greatest revival, renewal that our age has seen if we trust him in these uncertain times. You know, there's a new phenomenon going on called city life churches. They're springing up in our cities and communities. These uh, independent churches are focusing intensely on missions and leading people to Christ. These churches are saying that God has given us an opportunity to reach out to others like never before. You know, churches that are just thinking about themselves are dying by the thousands. I want to thank this camp 
for its ministry to our children. My son David and I were talking about his days here uh, in high school and junior high camp. My daughter Bethany attended here. Our daughter Natalie attended the camp. And my daughter Bethany, uh, I think one of her first challenges for her faith occurred here in this camp. And, and she continues to serve the Lord. And she's become a leader in her church in Jackson called Radiant Church. And when the flooding occurred back on May 20th, and that was my birthday, uh, in Midland County in the Gladwin area, this church within a week or less sent a tractor trailer load of supplies, cleaning items, clothing, food, and necessities. We can learn from ministries like that. Because sometimes it takes, quote, organized churches months to get boots on the ground. But you know, it's not just people around us that are hurting, but there may be some of us here this morning who've gone through a lot. And before you can help somebody else, you need somebody to turn and encourage you. And, and when we do our Bible studies this week, and when we're at our prayer times, Minister to one another. Encourage one another. Uh, Christians are not immune. Three pastors died in Flint of COVID-19. Three pastors. The church in Acts also suffered. In Acts chapter 8, and Brother Eric referenced it last night, they were driven out from their homes by persecution. They were chased all over the world. Does anybody here know someone that had flooding in the Midland, Midland Gladwin area? Okay. Did anybody here have flooding in your house? Not too many, but you know somebody. Um, maybe, does anybody here know someone, a family member that got very sick with COVID-19? You'd be praying for those people. Maybe you've been out of work. Maybe you know someone that's out of work. God wants to encourage you. God wants to minister to you. And God wants to bless you so that you can in turn bless others. Uh, Carol and I served in Midland for eight years. Prior to that, we were in Swartz Creek. Now we're back in Swartz Creek. And uh, I, I got a call, actually a text from the pastor, and he said, uh, we've got a family that has an RV, and they want to let somebody in Midland use it who's been driven out of their homes. And I knew this family. The wife had lost her dad. The husband was caring for his sick father who had dementia. She had a back problem. And the doctor said if she fell the wrong way, she could be paralyzed for life. But they wanted to do something to help people in Midland. So we went up there with this RV and man, the joy that that family had. The whole street with stuff piled this high was amazed to see that somebody would do this. This is an example for us, friends. We need to give of ourselves in, there in this time. And there's something God has for you, for me, every one of us here, to be a light, to bring comfort, to share Jesus Christ. You know, along with the doctors and the nurses and the caregivers, people on the front lines, you know, see those signs with hearts, thank you, caregivers, you're our heroes and all that. And they're facing it on the front line. But, you know, there's a group of people that we forget about. And they're people in care facilities. Well, we've read about it but many of them have gotten COVID and they can't get out and no one can come in. And you know, the direct 
director of this camp for 25 years, Lou Tibbetts, is in a care facility. And he hasn't been able to go out. He hasn't had anybody in until the last two weeks. He can talk with someone by phone and look through a, a window. We need to be praying for him. And maybe some people in this camp might find it in their hearts to, to send him a note. And we need to be praying for others. Some churches are doing something that's called lawn visitation. Anybody hear that? Lawn visitation? Oh, good. I'm going to tell you a new thing. So what you do is you call a shut-in, and every single one of you can do this, getting outside of ourselves, being God's instrument in this time of difficulty. You call a shut-in, and you say, I'm coming over to your house. You go out on your porch, get in your chair. I'm going to bring my lawn chair, and I'm going to sit about 15 feet. And we're, we're going to talk. And uh, it, it's just a, a powerful ministry. You know, Jesus Christ has been burning on my heart. He's going to ask me, what did you do during COVID? How did you reach out? How did you pray? How, did, how were you a light for me in the world? And you know, we got to look for the silver lining and the blessings also God is giving during this time. I want to give you seven things that are opportunities for blessing while you've had to stay at home. More time with your kids and family. Can I just somebody say amen? Somebody else says, ooh. <laughs> More time for devotions, reading the word in prayer. More time to talk to your neighbors. I mean, I've met neighbors. I didn't know who they were walking down the road to talk across the street, you know, and all these kinds of things. More time to get organized. They said they were running out of shelves in some of the stores, you know, people organizing. More time to exercise, right? A lot of people got heavier, but there's more time to exercise. Time to garden. They ran out of garden seeds. You couldn't get them. Healthy food. And lastly, number seven, more time to call somebody who's hurting. Well, I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do? I mean, I, I want to be a light to my neighbors. We had invited the neighbors over for a Christmas party, and, and that was really great in, in December. And I thought, what can I do in the fall? And I, I prayed about it. I decided I'm going to take herbal tea. Uh, and it was a little bit cool time of the year, and I'm going to drop off a card, let them know that we were thinking of them, that we were praying for them. So I just went around my neighborhood, down our street, and I delivered 19 packs of tea and cards to people. Man, after that, people would walk by our house and go, other people brought us gifts, but that wasn't what it was all about. But the opportunity for me and for Carol and I to let our light shine, and we want to follow up with a barbecue this summer. And then my daughter, Natalie, who's in missions, she said, I want to share, Dad, about my mission experience, and I want to share who Jesus Christ is. So there's things that you and I can do. And pray that God will, will use you for this. And then I want to say this. Not only you as an individual, not only is you in the church or you and your family, but as a camp, uh, we should be part of the outreach for times such as this. I, I know that Cindy Parsons and others made Mass here. Just the fact that Bayshore is having family camp and kids camp is an outreach. And you know, when you think about it, we're here this week, we're like that book of Acts. We're meeting in the tabernacle or tent. 
We're gathering for Bible studies. We're meeting for prayer. We're breaking bread together. We're recharging our batteries. And it should be for the purpose of reaching out and touching others. And you know, sometimes people say, well, I've been in ministry for 40 years, and sometimes people say, well, our church should be doing this. And they want the pastor to do this. And the other busy people need to do this. And I'm thinking, why don't you do this? Why don't you lead the charge? You've got the passion. Get some. Well, the power that Paul and the apostles and the early believers had in Acts was in prayer. How are we with time? We okay? I think we got ahead of time. It gave me a little more time to preach. I like more time to preach. But Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 said, wait for the Holy Spirit, and that meant to pray. So they gathered in the upper room. 50 days they prayed, 120 people. And then on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and equipped them all to share about Jesus. Uh, they spoke in tongues and in their languages of people from the nations. And they believed. And then they reached out to these people and they showed love. That's what God wants today. You know, far too often I found myself and people around me trusting in the government. The government's got to make the right decisions. Trusting in the health professionals. The health professionals got to make the right decisions. But we need to be driven to prayer, as Abraham Lincoln said, in our knees because we know there's nowhere else to go. We need, and I'm speaking to myself now, we need a prayer revival. I saw a video on YouTube, and you know, Brazil is getting blitzed, exploded, you know, nation not near as big as ours. And there were people, and they were falling down outside, and they were praying, and they were asking for God's deliverance, and they were confessing their sins. Friends, we need to do. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, we need to, to, to call upon the Lord and, and we need to, uh, to let God uh, speak to us and, and to change our nation and to touch lives. God wants to heal the land. Do you believe that? God wants to heal the land. And I hope that we can have an extra focus on prayer this week. We've been going to the prayer time and it's back there behind the tabernacle, and there's been about seven or eight people. What would God do if 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or 100 or more people came for prayer? What would God do? He would shake us. He would move us. And he would do things that we can't even dream of. A verse that's hit me and many others during this uh, trouble we face is 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says that if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. It's not very popular to talk during this time about us and our country turning from their sins. But we must. 
from the sins of racism, from the sins of violence, from greed, from pride, sexual immorality. I've been reading in 2 Kings. You guys read that this morning. And I'm, I'm reading an Alpha devotion series, Nikki Gumbel uh, with the Alpha um, ministry. It's been really great. Three parts of Scripture, a Psalm, the New Testament, the Old Testament. And in 2 Kings, one thing that keeps being mentioned over and over is a thing called the high places. Anybody know what the high places are? They weren't all high. They were some low. A lot of people in America go to the high places, right? Yeah. But anyways, uh, they would go to these places and probably somewhat secretively, false gods, Baal, Moloch, Chemosh, Astra. They were worshiping idols of silver and gold. They were worshiping a golden calf. These were God's people. And they were sacrificing their children in the fire. They were practicing sex acts with male and female prostitutes. And God was really angry. And only one king, Josiah, removed them all. But they did it in the wilderness places. They did it in the hidden places. But it was not hidden from God's eyes. And that's kind of what we're doing in our country. There's a lot of sin, sometimes even in the church, in the hidden places. People can't see. We're letting little things go on that, that should not be there. Uh, the violence in our streets, it's come out from the hidden places. But there are immoral acts being secretly. Uh, pornography is not just on the internet. It's on our popular TV shows and movies you get with cable. We are also sacrificing our sons and our daughters in the fire. Many children don't have a father at home. And we have cheapened the life of unborn babies. In New York, you can take a child's life, even if it's born. And we worship the golden calf, the idols of silver and gold. As long as the stock market's doing well, we're happy. Stock market goes down. But God is calling us, remove high places, the hidden places of sin in our lives, my life, your life, the church and in our nation, to draw to Him that He might heal our God is calling you and I, in summary, to win the world. Jesus said, look at the fields, they're ripe, and they're ready for harvest. I don't know about you, but I, I get awful busy sometimes, and I, I forget about the harvest. But God has little ways of reminding me about the harvest, what I need to be doing. We were over on Lake Michigan a month ago, we were at a, a remote beach near Ludington. There was hardly anybody around. And uh, I had had this bandana right here and uh, was using it in, when I was around people. And then when I was, I was jogging, I put it around my neck. And I was trying to get in shape. And I got back to uh, where my wife and daughter and daughters were seated. And I thought, this thing's gone. <laughs> I lost my precious bandana. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I'm thinking I'm looking up the beach, 200 yards, down the beach, 200 yards. 
I thought, I'm never going to find this bandana. So we're getting ready to leave. And I kind of said, Lord, I'd like to find that bandana. I looked down the beach. Whoa. <laughs> further, further than that blue barrel. Look around. Turn around that blue barrel back there. Another 50 yards past that blue barrel. I saw what looked like about this big from the distance. I thought, that's not going to be my bandana. That's a rock. That's a piece of wood. That's somebody else dropped something. But I thought, you know, I still back at the car. So I'm walking down the beach and I'm talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, I get concerned about a bandana. And you're looking at the world and human beings. And I said, Lord, if I find that bandana, I know you're speaking to me that I need to care more about the lost in the world. And I take it with me because I don't always think about people that need the Lord. We need them too. And God wants to speak to us. God wants to do great things. But we have to trust Him. We're going to do a closing song.